Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Along with bringing you updates and critical information happening all around the world, we're always fortunate to have the chance to bring in our local ELA lawyers that are practicing on the ground in jurisdictions all around the world, helping their clients every day move through difficult times. On the program, we span the globe and receive updates and critical information from ELA members all around the world. Today, we're gonna to be chatting with several of our folks from Clyde & Co., our member in the UAE, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia. Today, we're joined by Emma Hayam, Sabrina Saxena, and Rachel Smith. We also have a special announcement. Moving forward, we have a new moderator who'll be helping us with podcasts in the Africa Middle East region. Many of our listeners will remember Shemaine Amin from ANK Tanzania. And the podcasts that she's recorded with us back in April and July are very, very popular. So make sure to tune back into those. Shemaine, I'm so happy you've agreed to join us on the program as a moderator. Welcome back. How are things today in Tanzania? Thanks, Peter. It's a pleasure to be back. It's been quite a few months since we caught up and things are going well, better than they were two weeks ago. My husband and I are both recovering from a, a nasty bout of COVID and malaria at the same time. We seem to have put the worst behind us and we're off to a good recovery. And I'm really looking forward to having a chat with the Clyde & Co team today. Wonderful. Well, the program is all yours. I know our guests are ready to roll. So take it away, Shemaine. Thanks, Peter. Before we kick off, I think just to make a couple of comments on, you know, how diverse the response has been to the pandemic across the region. And as many of you know, Tanzania has been a bit of an anomaly in terms of the way in which the pandemic has been handled. And we still don't have a lockdown in place. We haven't since the early part of 2020. And it's very much business as usual. And I'd love to hear more about, you know, the COVID updates across the UAE, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and in Qatar. Perhaps, Sabrina, if you want to maybe kick us off and share some updates with us. Thanks, Charmaine. Yes, of course. Well, with the rising number of COVID-19 cases and the increased variants, we're actually seeing further COVID-related restrictions being introduced. For example, in the UAE, the government has actually implemented reduced capacity again in malls and in restaurants and has closed a number of bars and clubs to try and limit the spread of COVID. Having said this, and on the other hand, there are a number of COVID restrictions that are also now being lifted. In Saudi, for example, Saudi had previously implemented a moratorium on terminations of employees irrespective of their nationality, which was actually lifted at the beginning of this year. During that moratorium period, if an employer had proceeded to terminate one of its employees' employments, they would have been subject to a fine of 10,000 Saudi rials per employee. But as I mentioned, this has now been lifted. Given that Saudi, Qatar and the UAE are now beginning to administer the COVID vaccine, it will be interesting to see how these guidelines and protocols do begin to develop over the coming months. The UAE, for example, has already published a number of resolutions ensuring the safety and protection of its employees by encouraging individuals to take the vaccine and mandating PCR testing requirements for those who haven't yet been fully vaccinated. Broadly, these requirements require that all government employees or any employees of companies who contract with a government company or who are present on government company sites to take the PCR test every seven days. However, any employee who hadn't taken the vaccine would be exempt from that requirement. So for government and semi-government employees, the cost of the weekly PCR test is generally borne by the employee. However, 
if the employee has, say, a health condition, meaning that they're not able to take the vaccine, then the cost is then passed back to the employer. But conversely, for employers of private sector companies who contract with, say, a government or a semi-government company, the employer is responsible for the cost of that weekly PCR test. Interestingly, Abu Dhabi has, on an Emirate level, introduced stricter restrictions with the government, notifying all its suppliers that a contractual obligation will apply from the 10th of January to ensure that any individual who are being sent to a government site are vaccinated, and that measure in particular has affected the offshore industry. Interestingly now, a large proportion of the population across the UAE, Saudi and Qatar have actually already received their vaccinations. And in fact, in the UAE, 5.2 million people have been vaccinated already, which amounts to over 53% of its population. The UAE has actually announced a public policy intention to have all adults who are residents in the UAE vaccinated by the end of 2021. In Saudi, approximately half a million people have been vaccinated. And whilst there are no clear statistics in Qatar, the government is actively administering the vaccine to residents and vaccines have now begun for over 50s. Individuals with chronic diseases and healthcare and emergency workers have already been vaccinated in Qatar. So you can see that there is a clear push towards all residents taking the vaccine. And given the large proportion of expatriate employees in the region, and you know, of course the desire to regularly travel backwards and forwards to their home countries, that is a welcome move from both a humanitarian perspective and a public health standpoint. Thanks, Sabrina, for a very comprehensive overview of you know, the, the developments that are taking place in the region. And it is promising to note the vaccine rollout and, and its effectiveness in some of these slightly smaller populations. And again, quite a contrast to where we are at the moment in Tanzania, as we don't actually expect to have access to vaccines at any time in, in the near future. I think moving on from the general update, it would be great to you know, hear a little bit more about how the vaccination rollout is being managed from an employment perspective. Emma, perhaps if you'd like to share some insights on that. Yes, of course I would. And I'd like to say this morning, I was one of the over 50s that have just had their first vaccination. So I've got a very sore arm today. So there is a push, and I think it was clear from the general introduction of governments in this region or within the GCC, wanting people to take the vaccine. And lots of our clients have been phoning saying, can I make people take the vaccine? What can I do? Um, the governments haven't yet made it mandatory, which actually puts employers in quite a tricky position, really, because how can they enforce something when the government isn't supporting them? I think, you know, potentially they have to consider what they want to do. There is general encouragement. For me, the vaccine was free. And lots of people around the world are clamouring for the vaccine. So I guess employers could rely on the fact that hopefully their employees will take the vaccine. And as Sabrina said, people want to travel. In Qatar, the expatriate population is about 85%. And so you would think that there was, you know, an intention to take the vaccine. But there's no ability to legally enforce at the time. And so it is a requirement, you know, that will be, you know, need to be carefully considered. Thanks, Emma. And, you know, you've mentioned the fact that the government hasn't imposed the requirement yet, but just given the health and safety issues surrounding the spread of COVID-19, could employers potentially argue that the requirement to take the vaccine is a reasonable instruction? Rachel, I'd be really curious to hear what your thoughts are. 
So arguably, yes, although it will depend on the applicable circumstances. So employers in the UAE, KSA and Qatar have an obligation to protect the health and safety of their employees and to provide a safe work environment. Employers also have an obligation under regional infectious diseases laws to put in place internal processes to prevent the spread of COVID-19 generally, and therefore vaccinations need to be considered in this context. Employers could therefore argue that an employee's refusal to take the vaccine would result in the employer breaching its own obligations to its employees. In addition to an employer's health and safety obligations, employees have a duty to obey the lawful and reasonable orders of their employer. And where an employee refuses to follow a reasonable instruction, the employee may be subject to disciplinary action. And this could include up to termination of their employment, which will, of course, depend on the applicable circumstances. So requiring doctors and frontline workers to be vaccinated and disciplining them, which could include dismissal if they do not, is likely to be reasonable due to the high risk nature of the work. And the fact that being vaccinated in these circumstances is essential to prevent the spread of the virus and to protect their patients. Likewise, if you have a workplace or site that's accessed by vulnerable members of the community, an employer may be justified in requiring staff working at that site to have the vaccine. Now, on the other hand, for employees who work in an office or if they have limited contact with other individuals, it's going to be more difficult for an employer to show that the instruction is reasonable, particularly where it's possible for the employee to perform their job from home. In such a case, the employer is likely to have to objectively justify why that direction is reasonable and necessary, given the nature of the employee's role and taking into consideration any of the mitigating measures that have been implemented by the employer already to prevent the spread of the virus. So things like sanitization, social distancing, face masks and other precautions. In addition, some employees, given their health or situation, may be advised not to actually take the vaccine. So there are a number of factors that come into play. So whether or not a request by an employer for an employee to be vaccinated is reasonable will depend on the individual circumstances and will need to be considered on a case-by-case -case basis. Thanks, Rachel. And just to pick up on the last point that you mentioned about you know, folks potentially not being able to take the vaccine what do you recommend employers to do if an employee is not able to take the vaccine for whatever reason? Sabrina, perhaps if, if you'd like to chime in on this one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there may be a number of reasons as to why an employee might not be able to take the vaccine. For example, where an employee has certain health conditions, many medical practitioners are advising those employees not to take the vaccine. In addition, pregnant employees are also being advised not to take the vaccine or actually, employees who are looking to get pregnant within three months are being told not to take the vaccine as well. And this raises a number of considerations. For example, can an employer ask its employees to provide them with written reasons where an employee is not able to take the vaccine? Arguably, this could lead to confidentiality and data protection issues where an employee is required to submit confidential medical records. Or maybe the employee is pregnant but hasn't told her employer yet or maybe she's trying to get pregnant, which of course is not something an employee should be required to discuss with her employer. So an individual's right to privacy is upheld by the local constitution and certain federal and local laws in each of the UAE, Saudi and Qatar. And they apply to the security and processing of personal data in certain circumstances. 
including in relation to both employee records and in relation to healthcare. The Qatar Penal Code and the UAE Penal Code both establish criminal offences in relation to the disclosure or the use of confidential information, which is likely to include personal data, provided that that personal data isn't accessible to the general public, for example, medical records. There isn't a codified penal code in Saudi, as it's an Islamic Sharia legal system. However, similar principles will apply in Saudi as they do in Qatar and the UAE. So therefore, caution should really be taken by an employer when implementing a requirement for its employees to take the COVID vaccine. And these types of issues will need to be carefully considered. Thanks, Sabrina. And, and you know, when we talk about the requirement to, to take the vaccine, there's sort of, I guess, two ways of looking at it. And one is the unwritten, loose sort of requirement where there's an expectation for employees to take the vaccine. And the other one is, is a little bit stricter in the legal sense, which is where you know, we expect that employers may contemplate, if they haven't done so already, to include the requirement to take the vaccine as part of an employee's employment contract. And we'd be curious to hear your views on whether, you know, such a requirement would make a difference or have a certain impact in your jurisdictions. I'll take that one, actually, because it sort of leads from the question that I answered previously. And this is one of those times where I think we're having to say to clients that they're going to have to look at their workforce differently. So if you're making an offer of employment now, I mean, arguably, it's reasonable for the health and safety of other employees, clients, people visiting your offices to require people to take the vaccine. Arguably, if you read the news, lots of people say, you know, is the vaccine actually capable of protecting people or capable of protecting visitors? But I think that's a different question. I think if employers decide that people should take the vaccine, then they have to put it in the offer. They have to make it very clear. And at that point in time, arguably, if somebody fails, say, in the probationary period or in the period prior to them actually starting to work, to provide the certificate to say they've taken the vaccine, then that could be a breach of contract and a reason for that employment relationship to terminate. But in respect of existing employees, as Sabrina was saying, What if someone just can't take the vaccine for medical reasons or they have been advised that that's the case? Now, you could persuade, you could write a policy, you could ask employees to have the vaccine and you could explain, you could have, you know, health and safety experts to come in and also, you know, explain all the benefits. But if the employee decides that's not something they want to do, whether or not they've got a medical letter saying that they can't have the vaccine, then actually you might well see pushback. And that would be a challenge for any employer. So I think in such circumstances, there is always a risk that the employee will reject the employer's proposal. The employer has to have a plan B, therefore. So this is going to be a strategy that needs to be thought about before. And as we will say, going on right the way through on a case by case basis, the employer will need to decide what to do. I think as employment lawyers, we'd always say you need a policy, it needs to be in writing, it needs to be clear and it needs to be enforced across the board. But maybe that's just one of those times some flexibility is going to be brought to play. Thanks, Emma. I think it raises a number of of very interesting and quite complex questions surrounding this issue. And, And you touched briefly on, you know, potential termination on the grounds of, you know, not having for instance, taken the vaccine, should that become a requirement either from a government perspective or from a private employer perspective? 
Are there any restrictions that you would perhaps like to flag to employers that they should be aware of should they decide to proceed with terminating an employee's employment if they, for instance, refuse to take the vaccine? Yeah, I'll jump in on that one. So it's very clear that there is this conflict between an employer's obligations with respect to health and safety versus an employee's right to choose whether or not they want to be vaccinated. And it certainly remains to be seen how the Labor Courts will consider this conflict in cases where an employer has actually gone ahead and terminated an employee's employment for refusal to take the vaccine. In the KSA and UAE, where an employee's employment is terminated for a reason that's considered arbitrary or unfair by a court, the court can then award compensation as a result. In Qatar, an employer can potentially terminate an employee's employment for no reason, depending on the circumstances. And whether the reason for termination is considered to be unfair by a court would, of course, need to be considered on a case-by-case basis, and therefore legal advice should, of course, be sought in advance of implementing the termination. Now, it is possible that where an employer can justify its requirement for employees to take the vaccine, And where perhaps there have been attempts at redeployment across the employer's workforce that would minimise the requirement to take the vaccine, that the labour courts may not award compensation or perhaps the amount awarded would be less to the employee, although of course it will depend on the applicable circumstances. So the key factors will be the accessibility of the vaccine, the employee's role and whether it's capable of being performed from home. And of course, if the employee has been successfully doing so for several months or possibly even up to a year now, and also the employee's individual circumstances, including any underlying health conditions. So where an employee is engaged in a role which they can perform from home, the employee's successfully been working from home for several months or perhaps up to a year, as I mentioned, if the employer is only now just directing the employee to come back to work from the office and to take the vaccine. If an employee refuses on the basis that, look, they can continue to work from home and and this is still the case, this is relatively unlikely to be a valid reason for dismissal. So it will very much depend on the circumstances. Thanks, Rachel. I think those are some great pointers for employers to keep in mind. And I'm just thinking back to the beginning when uh, Sabrina shared with us some of the statistics around the number of people that have already been vaccinated in some of these countries. And we'd like to to hear a bit from you about the impact that this has had on the COVID-19 guidelines. For instance, are there still measures in place to observe social distancing and wearing face masks, given the rapid rate at which the populations are being vaccinated? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the UAE, Saudi and Qatar authorities have all confirmed that despite the fact that the vaccine has started to be administered, this doesn't mean that social distancing and the other protection measures can fall away. Strict health and safety measures with regards to COVID remain in effect, as do the regulatory fines applying for breaches of those measures. So, for example, most recently in Saudi, Saudi has suspended entry and commercial flights both to and from 20 countries as a result of concerns over the COVID variants. And the ban on Saudi nationals leaving the kingdom has also been extended until the end of May 2021. So it's likely to take a significant period of time before the bulk of company workforces have been vaccinated. And so employers must continue to ensure that they have taken all necessary health and safety measures recommended by the authorities for the workplace 
and any specific measures required for each individual employee's role. For example, social distancing, you know, providing masks and gloves for employees whilst at work, providing hand sanitizers, tissues, washing facilities and disinfectant sprays, displaying COVID signs, displaying signs relating to good hygiene practices and best practice, and enhanced or deep cleaning of premises, the sanitization of offices, workspaces and communal areas. Thanks, Sabrina. I think it sounds consistent with what we're seeing in other jurisdictions across the globe, and and particularly with the new variants of COVID that we've all been reading about over the last couple of months. It seems like a very dynamic and very quickly evolving situation. So we absolutely expect that a lot of these guidelines will still continue to be in place, despite the fact that vaccine rollouts are, are taking place in tandem. It's been really interesting catching up with the three of you on the state of COVID-related employment matters in the UAE, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar. And in closing, are there any additional pointers that perhaps you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I guess just to sum up, employers really do have to be cautious when they're considering whether or not to impose a mandatory vaccination requirement. And a number of different factors will need to be contemplated. So including things like the nature of the business, the ability for employees to work remotely, health and safety factors, the requirement for employees to attend government offices, what the alternatives are, and ultimately whether employees are able to substantively carry out their role effectively. And these will need to be considered on a case-by-case basis in order to decide what is the best course of action for the particular employer. So it will be really interesting to see how these sorts of policies and requirements develop over time. Thanks, Rachel. If you'd like to connect with Emma, Rachel, or Sabrina at Clyde & Co., or any of our lawyers around the world, please search for them on the ELA website at ela.law by going to the Find a Lawyer button in the center of the page, where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, and on-demand content from our online library or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Shemaine Amin, and thanks for listening.